Hi, Crime Lab. Welcome back. How is everybody out there? I'm your host, Jessica Garcia. I am just so happy right now because I've been getting so much positive feedback from all of you. Like, you don't even understand how much of a positive mood booster that is. I smile because I'm getting DMs, I'm getting emails at work, I'm getting phone calls, I'm getting text messages. You know, you guys are just so proud of me. And thank you. I'm here just talking about what I like to talk about. So I am curious as to how everyone's doing out there. Are your days starting to feel like they're blending together like mine? I mean, what does your day look like? I mean, for me, I've been working for home coming up on a year now. And if you had told me a year ago that I could stay home and work in my PJs, I would have been like, sign me up. But we're not meant to be in the lockdown. We're humans. We're not meant to be in cages in our houses. And the kids are meant to be in school, in my opinion. I just hope that we get some type of normalcy back, if you know what I'm saying. But one way I like to de-stress is I like to work out and I like to get my kids out of the house. We like to go on walks and we I personally really enjoy hiking. Mother Nature is good for you. You just go out, you take in all that fresh air and the beautiful scenery. But after this case, I'm going to tell you, it might change your point of view on going on a spontaneous hike because I know it changed my point of view a little bit. Or at least from now on, I know that I'm going to prepare and maybe carry an extra bottle of water and be more aware of my surroundings. Tell me what you think. Let's get into this. Today, I want to talk about the disappearance of Chris Kramers and Lizanne Froon. Panama is often referred to as a paradise on earth, thanks to its beautiful rainforests, diverse wildlife, and incredible local culture. It draws in thousands of tourists each year, all of whom are eager to explore every beautiful corner of the country. Among the many places that travelers flock to, is the mountain town of Bouquet, where hiking trails and spectacular scenery await them. But no matter how breathtaking the sights are, visitors are urged to keep their eyes peeled for any signs of danger. Because each step really is fraught with danger, a fact proven by the memorial found on top of the Pianesta Trail in honor of two young girls who disappeared on a summer day in 2014. This small monument also carries a warning to travelers to turn back unless they want to end up in the very same path that cost Lizanne Froon and Chris Kramers their lives. In the summer of 2014, 22-year-old Lizanne Froon and 21-year-old Chris Kramers were gearing up for the trip of a lifetime. Both had recently graduated from college. 
Lizanne had completed her degree in applied science, while Chris earned her degree in cultural social education. Upon their respective graduations, the two girls returned to their hometown of Emmersfoot in the Netherlands, where they met each other while working at a local cafe. They instantly hit it off, despite their contrasting personalities. Lizanne was said to be intelligent and athletic. She was really good at volleyball. However, she was also shy and quiet, unlike Chris, who was outgoing, artistic, and enjoyed theater. After renting an apartment together and moving in, the pair discovered that they shared a mutual passion for travel and adventure. That spurred them to plan a six-week trip to Central America as a late graduation gift to themselves. They had their hearts set on Panama, a country known for its rich culture, exotic wildlife, and phenomenal scenery. More specifically, they intended to travel to Buquet, which was a small mountain town situated near the border of Costa Rica. It was wildly regarded as a paradise for foreign nationals, many of whom stayed there to learn Spanish while volunteering with the local community. For six months, both girls saved up for this trip, and on March 15, 2014, they finally landed in Panama. The first two weeks was spent on a backpacking mission trip, while the following four weeks of their adventure would be spent living with a family in Bouquet, who would host them while they worked in the village. Upon their arrival, though, they were told that their job would start in a week's time, so they decided to spend the next few days exploring their new home. Bouquet is a popular destination for those looking to retire. And in fact, 14% of the town's population consists of foreigners, most of whom are enticed by the peaceful environment and low cost of living. Because of this, Lausanne and Chris had no trouble adjusting to their surroundings. They quickly made friends, both with foreigners and the locals alike. By all accounts, they were your ideal travelers. They were respectful of the local culture and their customs, while never losing their interest and curiosity about the world around them. While most of their time was spent doing volunteer work, Lausanne and Chris made sure to set aside their free days to explore the areas surrounding Bouquet. Their days were filled with countless activities, from snorkeling and swimming with the dolphins, to drinking cocktails on the beach and taking lessons and to learn how to cook the Panamanian cuisine. In her diary, Lizanne had described this period of fun and bliss as, quote, the ultimate enjoyment, end quote. On the first day of April, the two girls arranged to take the Pianesta Trail, which was a scenic two-hour hike named for how it resembled the keys of a piano. They had originally scheduled to walk it the following day with a local guide at 8 a.m. However, they were impatient and couldn't wait any longer. Lizanne and Chris were also confident in the fact that the Pianesta Trail was a well-traveled path that would take them through open fields and into a cloud forest filled with lush greenery, as well as a wide variety of animals, including sloths and monkeys. They would then have to ascend a small ravine before reaching the summit where they would be treated to spectacular views. After the hike, Lizanne and Chris planned to meet up for brunch with other travelers from the Netherlands. They were confident that the trail would be easy and that they would make it back in time for brunch. So they set out, accompanied by a dog named Blue, who belonged to their host family. 
With that, Lizanne Fern and Chris Kramers bid their host family goodbye and headed off towards the Pianesta Trail on April 1st, 2014 at 11 a.m. The two girls would never again be seen alive. When Blue returned with neither Lizanne nor Chris in tow, his owners weren't worried, assuming that the girls had headed off on another adventure. But when the following morning still brought no sign of either of them, they became concerned and alerted the local police. On the third day, there was a small search for the girls. Authorities, along with local residents, began skimming the forest. These efforts led to nothing. They found no clues that would lead them to the girls. By April 6, five days after the girls took off on their own, both Lizanne and Chris's parents arrived in Panama with a search team. They brought with them police and detectives from the Netherlands, along with canine units. They conducted an extensive 10-day search for Chris and Lizanne. But despite their best efforts, their search turned up nothing. It seemed as if the two girls had vanished into thin air. And nothing, not even a $30,000 reward offered by their parents could unearth any clues about their disappearance. Feeling defeated, their families returned to the Netherlands, praying that both Lausanne and Chris would be found alive. On April 14th, 2014, this is 10 weeks after the girls went missing, a local woman from the indigenous tribe handed over a backpack to the police, claiming that she had found it submerged in a rice paddy by the local river, which is approximately five miles away from the summit of the Pianesta Trail. The authorities were quick to identify the backpack as the one that Lizanne was seen with on the day that she disappeared. This was corroborated by its contents. The backpack held two pairs of sunglasses, $83 in cash, a water bottle, two bras, Froon's passport, Froon's camera, and both girls' phones. For the police, the site where the backpack was found suggested that while the two girls were able to reach the summit of the Pianista Trail, they had foolishly decided to continue, going off the designated path and into a harsh jungle. To confirm the accuracy of this theory, investigators unlocked both phones and retrieved the photos from the camera's memory card. But instead of answers, these only provided even more questions. The pictures began innocently, showing the two girls enjoying their hike in the Panama wildlife. They were able to reach the summit of the Pianesta Trail around 1 or 2 in the afternoon. But instead of turning around at the lookout point, they pressed onward. This wasn't a rare occurrence, though. Beyond the lookout point at the summit lay a small yet picturesque waterfall, which was a sight that most hikers wanted to feast their eyes on. However, the route towards it was risky and fraught with danger. With the Panamanian authorities warning hikers to refrain from taking it alone and without a local guide, it was the kind of trail that wouldn't have been suitable for someone who wasn't prepared or was inexperienced in hiking. Unfortunately, Lizanne and Chris fell into both of these categories. Even worse was the fact that Lizanne had severe asthma, with her host family claiming that she had often coughed and complained of being short of breath. Her condition would have worsened by the altitude change, as well as the more advanced route that they had found themselves on. Still, 
The photos that the two girls took of themselves at the summit showed them relaxed and carefree, posing in front of the spectacular view that had awaited them at the end of their hike. The next few sets of images, though, were more concerning. In addition to showing both girls pressing on beyond the summit's lookout point, one photo also depicted Chris looking at the camera with a worried expression on her face. In another photo, Chris was seen posing in the middle of a small stream, looking as if she intended to go even deeper into the jungle. This is one of the very last photos in the roll, and it had been taken at around two in the afternoon. A mere two hours after this photo was taken, the first of several emergency calls were made. On Chris's recovered phone, call logs showed that the girls had attempted to call the Dutch emergency service number at exactly 4.39 p.m. When this failed to connect, they tried again a few minutes later. These frantic calls made it clear that something alarming had happened to the girls in between 2 p.m. when the photo of Chris was taken and 4.30 p.m. when they tried to reach out to the emergency hotline. While what happened to them remained unknown, it's safe to assume that it had been alarming enough to warrant a phone call to the emergency services of an international country. Both phones were only used again on the morning of April 2nd when a call was once again placed to the Dutch emergency services at around 7 a.m. Lausanne was able to connect with someone on the other end, but unfortunately her signal dropped out after a few seconds afterwards. The rest of the morning was spent trying once again to call the emergency hotline. Three more calls were made at 8.14 a.m., 10.53 a.m., and 1.56 p.m. respectively. Unfortunately, none of these attempts were successful. On April 3rd, the third day that they had been in the jungle, another call was attempted at 9.33 a.m. This would be the last time that the girls tried to reach out to emergency services. But this wasn't the last time that the phones were used. They were switched on and off sporadically throughout the entire afternoon, with the authorities theorizing that the girls were checking to see if they had a signal. This switch on, switch off pattern continued for the next two days. However, Lazanne's battery finally died on the 5th of April. They still had Chris's phone though. But chillingly enough, the next few days saw a slew of unsuccessful attempts to enter her PIN code. It seemed as if Chris was either incapable of typing it down or was unable to tell Lizanne the right numbers. According to authorities, the usage of both phones indicated that the girls were feeling increasingly panicked between the 7th and 10th of April. In total, there were 77 attempts to use the phone during this time significantly more than in the days that preceded it. Besides the phones, the camera that the girls had brought along with them also saw its fair share of mysterious and sinister uses. Between the evening of April 7th and the early morning hours of April 8th, at least 90 photos were taken, with more showing nothing but pitch black darkness. There were a few exceptions though. The first image, captured sometime around 1.30 a.m., was pointed towards a tree canopy and showed that it had been raining heavily at the time. A few other photos seemed to have been taken with the camera pointed towards the edge of a cliff, while one picture showed a strange item made of sticks and red plastic. 
A piece of torn up paper besides a bag strap was also captured, as well as a map, what looked to be the bottom of a Pringles can, and a mass of red hair that was presumed to have belonged to Chris. On the morning of April 11th, at exactly 10.51 a.m., Chris's phone was switched on before being switched off again over an hour later at 11.56 a.m. This was the last known electronic activity of Lizanne Froon and Chris Kramers. The discovery of the backpack and its contents prompted the Panamanian authorities to renew their search efforts. Aided by the Nobi indigenous tribe, they managed to locate several bone fragments along the shores of the Culubra River, which is also known by its menacing nickname, the River of the Serpent. After undergoing multiple rounds of testing, five of the recovered bone fragments matched DNA samples obtained from Lizanne and Chris. Unfortunately, these weren't enough to enable investigators to make any conclusive verdict about the case. However, two months later, a pelvis and a boot with a foot inside were found near the place where Lizanne's backpack had been recovered. A search party managed to locate at least 33 more bones along the riverbank. The boot and the foot inside were identified as Lizanne's. A boot that belonged to Chris was also recovered, although it was empty. However, her denim shorts were spotted about a mile and a half upstream from where the other remains were uncovered. According to some statements, Chris's clothes were allegedly zipped and folded neatly on a rock that was situated high above the waters of the river. The bones that belonged to Lizanne Froon were found to still have skin attached to them. Strangely enough, Chris's bone fragments seemed to have been bleached. Later, a Panamanian forensic anthropologist claimed that none of the bones carried any discernible scratches, either of natural or cultural origin. They had absolutely zero marks, which raised even more questions about the mysterious case. Sadly, none of these would ever be answered. The unexplainable and unsettling circumstances of the case, though, have brought forth a slew of theories, including the idea that both girls got injured during the hike and slowly starved to death, deprived of food and water for more than a week. Another popular theory says that Chris suffered an injury and was left by Lizanne to recuperate in a particular area while she went for help. This could explain the strange photographs that she captured. Perhaps she intended to use them as markers to help rescuers identify where Chris had been left behind. Unfortunately, she too succumbed to either an injury or the elements. Others claim that the girls were victims of foul play, with theories ranging from them being murdered by a vicious gang to being killed and eaten by a local tribe of cannibals. But with no new evidence being unearthed, it seems as if the case of the missing Dutch girls Lizanne Froon and Chris Kramers will remain a mystery forever. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Crime Lab. 
New episodes are released on the first and third Friday of each month. If you want to see pictures from today's case, please follow my Instagram page at crime.lab.podcast. If you have any case suggestions, please let me know in the comments there. Until next time, hang in there and be safe.